When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Master Mindset. Reframe your thinking, master your mindset with Nate Schooler and Kim Adele. With accountability comes accountability, right? So what do you mean by that? So I guess it's something I've used over the years. There's a lot of things that we run for that we're like, we really want a particular thing. But sometimes we've got to realize that it comes at a cost there's a cost of doing something but there's a cost of not doing it so I remember many years ago having um a chat with one of the other leaders who kept bringing his people into the board to to tell them or give them an update but because of the way having a didn't have a purpose they didn't have a reason to be there actually it didn't put them always in the best light and I remember when I was talking to him saying you know you've got to be really careful and he said yeah but Kim it's all about exposure but the problem is with exposure you can become exposed so yes you want to get exposure for your people yes you want um the board to be able to see that you've got talent in your team and but you also want to ensure that they're not exposed they're not put in a position that they're not ready for yet or that they can't answer so actually taking the time to go what is it you're trying to achieve and are you ready for it is really important and it's like people going, I want to be accountable. But actually, if you if you are accountable, then you are accountable. <laughs> it's like you don't just get to have the word. You actually have to do the doing as well. So, you know, if you've got the accountability, you are then accountable for making it happen. And it might sound really obvious, but you'd be amazed how many people don't understand that and almost taken aback when they are held to account for something that they are accountable for. So I think for me, it was it was really trying to understand the kind of, you know, the language. And we've been talking to a lot of investors and, and they were sharing with us, weren't they, a number of stories where people have come in and, you know, they're, they're talking about one thing, but they don't understand that for everything, because we live in a world of polarity, for every up, there's a down, for every left, there's a right. So there's always the opposite side to every coin that's being shown. And you need to know that so that when you're seeking investment, you already know not only the happy path but you know what could happen if it goes wrong and and you have a plan of what you would do in, in that eventuality because that's what they're looking for is somebody that understands that whilst that is what you're trying to do something might not go to plan and therefore are you aware what that might be and do you already have a plan of what you do if that were to happen yeah with great power comes great responsibility right I know it's a cliche but you know, those people are in essence, they're trusting you and, and your company with their money, right? And if you are to take that responsibility of, you know, someone's money, I mean, they've, they've, they've obviously worked hard for that money. And to just to just take the money and not actually be accountable for that is a, is a huge mistake. Right? Yeah, but equally, what you're doing when you're pitching to investor in the first instance is you're trying to demonstrate to them um, that you're a good bet, that you're a good risk. So most in, most investors or most investment houses know that they are taking a risk, but it's about taking a calculated risk that sits within their risk appetite. 
whatever that risk appetite is. So what they're looking for is to say, is the idea, does it make sense? Do they believe in it? But then what they're looking for is, do they believe in you, the person that's seeking the investment? Do they think you've got what it takes to be able to bring that to life and, and make that happen? And do they think it's doable? Do they think the plan that you've got is going to work? Now, as we know from the studies uh, by Harvard, the majority of people don't have a written down goal. Um, but those people that had a written down goal and had a plan, even if the plan wasn't actually going to work, um, they had a plan. So they'd started to do that thinking. They'd started to take those steps that said, how might I get from where I am to where I want to go? Delivered results 10 times those of the people that had got even just an idea and not a written not a written down plan of where to get to. So that's really what the investors are looking for is, have you looked at it and said, I'm asking you to believe in me and believe in my ability to make this business work, to make this idea turn into something. So to do that, you want to be able to take them through the steps that you're going to take and, and show that you are taking real accountability for your role because you're really trying to sell to them. It's the first person you're going to sell to. You're selling it to them. And then from their money, you're going to be able to build what it is you're looking to build go out and market it and start selling to your end customer. So bearing that in mind, think about what would give you confidence if you were the one with the money, that this is a good opportunity for me to invest my money and a good chance of return. And we often focus just on the money. It's like, you know, if we do a really good job with, with the numbers and we say, you know, you give me 10 pounds and I'm going to give you 10 million. And we think, well, someone's going to buy into that. Well, they're going to need to know that that's likely might sound great, might look very plausible, but actually, do you know the steps that you're going to need to take? Do you have the right route to market? Are you different enough? Is there something unique enough about what you're doing that makes it likely that you're going to be able to succeed? Um, and taking it through those steps really does help. Yeah, and and also, I mean, it's down to the team that you are bringing on as advisors, right? Like in, in the beginning, I mean, we've been we've been researching this a lot, right? And looking at the skills of the abilities, the track records of, of the people who make up the management team, uh, that, that, that will give an investor, an investment house, uh, a lot of confidence, right? Absolutely. But equally for you, whether you're seeking investment or you're just running your own business and you don't need that sort of investment, getting the right team around you is crucial. And really what you want to be doing is finding people that are strong at the things you're not strong at which means you've got to be really self-aware. You've got to know what it is that you're not good at, what it is that you don't enjoy or you're not really um, very adept at. Because once you know those, they're the, they're the skills that you are now going to go and recruit. And hopefully you'll recruit people that are brilliant at the things that you're not very good at and aren't so good at the things you're brilliant at. So actually both of you grow as a result of it. But it's about getting that collective. And... Unfortunately, it's often where ego gets in the way because we're told not to share that we're not might not be very good at something. Um, so actually owning up to that and going, well, I'm not very good at this and therefore I need to go and find somebody who's great at that can be a really difficult first step to do for ourselves because we've got to get past that ego and say, I know I'm not good at this or I can do it, but it's actually not something that brings me joy. 
really, as you know, website building, that's in that camp for me. I can do it, but it does not bring me joy. <laughs> um, and it does often involve me effing and jeffing at the computer, much to everybody else's hilarity. Um, so it's those parts that go, I can do it. But actually, if I pay somebody else to do it that loves it, one, I'm helping them because they're earning a living and they're able to you know, go and do what they want to do um, as a result of it. But two, I'm freeing myself up to do the bit that I do enjoy, the bit where I do add value, the bit where actually I've got a better skill set. And that's one of the big challenges. Having gone into lots of organisations, both at small, medium enterprises and big corporates, is actually getting people to understand that by giving tasks that don't need you to do them to people that have got the skills to do it, you free up your time to share your unique skill to more people. And actually, that's what you were brought on for. You were brought on for your unique skill. It's the thing that people saw at interview. So if you can find ways to be able to share more of that skill rather than trying to dilute it, and I think some of it comes down to the way we educate, you know, we expect our children to be good at everything. You know, everyone's got to be a bit of an all-rounder. And I'm seeing it at the moment with, with my little girl. So she'll be like, but mummy, I'm not so good at this. I'm like, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be good at everything. All you have to do is try. But what we're looking to do is work out what are the things you're really good at and what are the things you enjoy to do? What are the things you're not so good at? And it doesn't mean to say we don't try and get better at them, but we don't actually have to be good at everything. We aren't driven to search for perfection and yet we're perfectly imperfect and we're supposed to be. (laughs) So instead, if you look at it and go, well, I could be really, really brilliant as, um, as a dancer but I'm not very good as a singer. Now I could try and get better at singing or I could just go, well, actually, no, I'm just going to go find someone who's a really good singer and I'm just going to dance to their song. Um, it's, it's about kind of creating that right team that allows you to all grow as a result. Yeah, and also not having a blame culture, right? Because there's one thing being accountable and then there, and there's another thing having a blame culture. And like, those two and the way that they fit in together, I find really quite interesting because you're totally the opposite of, you know, you don't have any blame. We don't have a blame culture, right, in our business, right? We we just, and we're not perfectionists either, right? Because perfectionists, they don't get anything done, right? Like you can aim for perfection, but you're not, you're not going to achieve it really most of the time. So, you know, I'm yeah. into the Japanese kind of term, like the Kaizen uh, approach, yeah? Yeah, and I think it is. It's that, well, you know, that the whole piece, as you know, I'm lean um, qualified. The whole point of it is to constantly keep looking at how you can continually improve. And it doesn't mean to say we never get things wrong. Um, but when you get it wrong, you look at what was it that went wrong and how can you fix it. Don't assume everything was wrong about it and throw it away. It's very often those small bits. And and I love there's a I can never remember the phrase, but there's a phrase, phrase in Japanese. And they talk about the fact that when something gets broken, they actually put it back together with gold because they believe something is more beautiful because of its breaks, not despite them, Um, which I think is lovely because we do. We learn and we grow from the things that we got wrong. So it's not about driving people to say, oh, it's okay. You don't have to be accountable. You know, she's really happy if you make a mistake, it's all okay. But it's saying, actually, as long as as long as the mistake wasn't really obvious, because then that shows a lack of care. And as long as you learn from the mistake and you don't keep creating the same mistake, then actually all of it is moving you forward. It's exactly the same as 
um, you know, I talk to Scarlett about, which is, you know, if she gets things wrong, it's like, okay, well, it doesn't, doesn't matter. You're not ever going to get into trouble for making a mistake. We're you're learning. We are all learning. But the point is about making sure we don't repeat the same mistake, because if we do, we're no longer learning. We're just choosing not to get it right. So there, it's about giving that dialect, I, I guess, and the same in an organisation. It's about letting people know that actually there's no, there shouldn't be a blame culture because there shouldn't be a fear of getting it wrong. Because if we're fearful of getting it wrong, we won't take chances and therefore we'll play small. And what you'll do is reduce the opportunity for you, for your people and for your organisation. It's about creating an environment that allows you to have calculated risk, allows you to be able to go, actually, you know, if we get it wrong, that's okay as long as we, and it's part of the link piece, fail and fail fast. So if you're going to fail, fail fast, recognise it, and and then start again. Fix the problem, find the solution. But you create that kind of environment for people. And actually, they will come and tell you when things go wrong instead of brushing it under the carpet and hoping nobody finds out or worse still going, it wasn't me, it was them. And then nobody's really being accountable for how we fix it. So that's the most important thing is not why it's not who got it wrong and why did they do it? It's actually how do we fix it um, and how do we how do we move forward? Because we're not going to change the fact it went wrong. We can change how long it takes us to put it right. And also, you know, when you've got your vision for your business, right, and you've got your goals, just putting that vision out there and saying, oh, well, I'll come back to that kind of next month or or next year when I need to review it. It's not going to get you towards that towards that vision. Right. It's it's probably going to mean that you get completely diverted. I mean, if you're anything like me, you get lost when you go on the Internet and look, check in your email box, you get lost. Right. So without having um, those goals and that actual vision, uh, for five years ahead or one year, it just doesn't work, right? Yeah. So being accountable and saying, okay, well, by now I should have done this. I mean, we've been we've been working on some things, some really like mission critical things, and we turned around and we said, well, actually, we are we are what a week or something in advance, right? Which is yeah. amazing, yeah. But it's but it's 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 very bad because. I wrote this blog, I think it was uh, earlier in the week about um, goals and about goal setting. And I, and I mentioned, you know, this Harvard study that you talk about a lot and how, you know, the people who don't have these goals and they don't have that vision are so unlikely to achieve anything uh, towards a goal if they don't have one in the first place. Right. So it's 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 just vital to to kind of keep yourself accountable I think really and if you're in a team talk about it right yeah I think it's about giving yourself that um it's giving yourself that blueprint to come back to you know when things go a little bit astray or things get a little bit tough being able to remind yourself not only of what you're doing but why you're doing it can really help it allows you to that's disappeared on us um it allows you to go my love you just wandered off, did you? Did I just disappear? I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, so, but having a real plan of kind of what it is that we're trying to do, and more importantly, why we're doing it, allows us to hold ourselves true. And it also allows us to sometimes spot if something's not quite going to plan. Um, it allows us to come back to that and say, do I still buy into where I want to go? Is it still the right direction? 
is it still the destination that I'm seeking? And if it is, actually now what other opportunities, what other obstacles um, might I encounter and how can I overcome those? So it allows you to, and it allows you to keep yourself on track, but it also allows you to check when opportunities come in, you can go, well, hold on, does this move me forward towards my vision or does it not? So often, you know, I talk to people who are stuck between two decisions and they're not sure which path to take. And it's like, if you know where it is you want to go and why you want to go there, having that really helps. I remember doing this with, with people who were doing career planning a lot, you know, for a lot of years, which is start off with a sheet of paper and on one side, write down all the things that bring you joy, whether that's at work or, or not in work. But these are the things that always give me high energy. They always make me happy. And then on the other side, write down all the things that take your energy, that take away your joy, that make you go, oh, I've not got to do that, have I? So, you know, for me, working with people is definitely on my bring joy um, piece. Filing, definitely on my not bring joy piece. So knowing that means when jobs come in, if I ever look at it and there's a lot of like admin and filing type stuff, I know it's not a good fit for me because it's not going to bring me lots of joy. If there's a lot of dealing with people and having conversations and talking about strategy and progress I know it'll bring me lots of joy so that's a really good fit for me so that's at a real simplistic level but doing it when you're thinking about your career can really help because one of the things that happens is we aren't running towards something more often than not we're running away from what we've got so we're not thinking about the dream job for me is this can I go and find it we're going I don't like the job I've got don't want to do this anymore I don't want to have to turn up um, in three months time to this company to this job so we're instead running from what we have doing that kind of blueprint piece allows us to just flip the table slightly and start running towards what we want fantastic that's very interesting I mean we're going to expand on this moving forwards but you've got a you've got you just released one book and you've you're you're in the process of writing uh, another book well another two books right and so what is this book that you just released the last week uh yeah i've gone on a bit of a writing fiend um so it's called um leadership the compelling story Uh, and it's basically it takes you through the 15 pillars to understand the convergent sweet spot for you as a leader or for your organization So it explains each of the pillars. It takes you through why they're important, how you might be able to fix them, and then allows you to self-rate. And somebody asked me, why why are you getting into self-rate? Because it's the most important thing. The most important thing is your opinion of your business or your opinion of your leadership, um, because that's the only opinion you can change. And if you're getting those bits right, you've got to seek external validation of whether they're right you know if you walk around thinking you're the greatest leader in the world and everybody keeps leaving the chances are you're misaligned um because we know that 57 percent of people leave the boss not the organization so so you've got to look for those validating factors but if actually you think i'm a pretty good leader and all the feedback you're getting is you're a pretty good leader the chances are you are a pretty good leader um so it's trying to get you to really start to take that ownership and accountability of your own development your organization's development uh, and saying actually here's the areas where ego to one side here's the areas we're really good we've actually got this bit nailed on and we can be proud of that but here's the areas where maybe we're slightly out of kilter we've not got as much focus as we needed to 
And therefore, they're the areas that I'm going to choose to go and work on. Because once you get them all together and it talks through how you kind of you start off by connecting with your purpose, then you integrate with your values and then you can evolve to your potential. And the same is true for your organisation. But getting to that centre point where the 15 pillars all converge, once you get that bit right, everything else becomes so much easier. It's, it's just amazing how you can look at the reason why you're doing something and how powerful that is and then how that how that just stretches across your day-to-day and your relationships even even down to investors right if if you've got an investor that that wants to invest in your business but they don't have the same values as you or they don't believe in your purpose right but they just want to make money then chances are it may not be the right investor for your business right unless you want that kind of relationship I mean and you might not be the right person for them so I think you know we, we talk a lot about knowing what it is that we want or why it is that we want it for me it's also really important that we know who it's important for so knowing who as well as the what and the why really helps so is it you want to do it for yourself and that's fine there's no wrong answer in this but knowing why you're doing it and knowing who you're doing it for again really really helps for me a lot of what I do I do for my little girl either because I want to leave a better legacy or I want to show her there's nothing in the world you can't do if you try hard and you're willing to put the work in um but I also do it for me because I want to be able to uh, feel that I've achieved something, that I've left things better than I found them. So know, knowing those bits, I think for me, when you've got the what, the why and the who, you're tapping into all of your emotions. You're tapping into all of your senses. You know how it's going to feel, what you're going to be hearing, what you're going to be saying, what you're going to be seeing. And the more colour you can get into that picture, the easier it is for you to achieve it because actually your subconscious knows what it's looking for. So it starts to identify them. And we've we've shared this particular analogy lots of times, but it's like when you decide that you're going to go out and buy a particular car in a particular colour, all of a sudden, all you see is that car in that colour um, everywhere. It's not because all of a sudden there's more cars like that in that colour on the road. It's because, because you've been thinking about it, your subconscious brain knows it's important to you. So the next time it sees one, it kind of shouts out and goes, oh, look, there's, there's that car you're interested in. Oh, look, there's that car you're interested in. So it's for those reasons. So the more that you can create your vision, the more you can get colour and depth into it, the easier it's going to be for your subconscious brain to be filtering out the opportunities and bringing them to your attention. Thank you, Kim. It's it's been It was great reading your book. I really enjoyed it. And and I like the exercises at the back of each chapter. And I think, you know, if anyone's sort of listening to this and you want a copy of that, I think we're going to run a promotion on that one quite soon, aren't we? So they yes. can they can grab a copy. I mean, it's like, it's only what, three quid or something? Two quid, Maybe, right? we've, we've kept it really reasonable because actually it's about giving back. But we're about to do, uh, I think, the first um, 30 days, it's going to be free. Because actually it's just about giving back. It's about trying to say, uh, hopefully this will be useful. I've had a lot of people that have gone through it when we were doing, when I was writing it, doing it in beta to just check it was value add and it helped people. Um, and the feedback's been amazing. I've been really, really humbled by people's kindness. Um, and people have implemented stuff off the back of it, which has been great. So I'm hoping it continues to be useful for, for people. Um, and yeah, we'll be we'll be sticking out the code uh, later on, probably uh, sharing it in this uh, the links with this video so that people can grab a free copy. And I'd love to hear what you think when you've gone through it. 
Super. Yeah. And do join our newsletter. If you want information on the book, you just need to go to mastermindset.co.uk and click newsletter at the top and you can uh, you can sign up to that. No problem. Thanks for listening to Master Mindset. Please don't forget to follow wherever you listen and tell your friends and tell your friends. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.